to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. I did an interview yesterday with, uh, with a friend of mine. Her name's Elizabeth Crow, and um, she's doing a documentary on aging with like uh, 60 is the new 40 and 70 is, is, the, is the new 50 and things like that. Um, I, I, I was sort of re- reminded of it this morning when I read in the newspaper about this woman who's 61 years old, uh, Nyad, her last, I think it's Diana, but I'm not sure, her last name is Nyad, and she left last night from Cuba, uh, and she's uh, going to swim to Florida uh, without a shark net, with, uh, and it's going to take 61 hours, and she can't come out of the water, and she can't uh, have anybody touch her. They can only throw food to her and so on. She's got a whole, and she's 61 years old, and she... I did this attempt. She was a long-distance swimmer in her 20s, but now she's uh, in her 60s, and she's. I was talking about 60 as the, you know, today what we think of as 60 is the is the what what we used to think of as the 40-year-olds. Um, and I was I did this interview yesterday with uh, with Elizabeth and uh, this fellow Keith. Uh, and it was really a nice. Uh, spent a couple of hours talking to them about aging, this whole concept of aging and saging, and it's a, this is true for everybody. I don't care what your age is out there. You're listening. But um, the uh, one of the studies I remember reading when I was in my 20s and uh, taking a sociology class or an anthropology class or something, and they had said that the, the what what your life will look like after in your in your more advanced years, 50, beyond 50, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, um, what your life will look like uh, and what what your level of health will be and uh, and even your level of mental health and so on will be uh, determined by um, uh, what you believe about aging when you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, uh, and even as a teenager. So that if you've been imprinted with the idea that as you get older, um, you deteriorate, you know, things don't work as well, things break down, your body breaks down, uh, you know, and so on. If you, and if you, if you imprint that into your consciousness and, and take that on as, a, as an expectation, then um, when you reach your 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and so on, then you, your body will react to the, you know, the, the conditioning uh, and the training and the belief systems that you've handed it because it's, the, it's that mind-body connection. So that whatever age you are, and I can remember reading that and thinking to myself, uh, and I, I've said it in my talks over and over, if you go back to talks that I gave uh, that are on tape uh, out there, uh, unfortunately, everything I've ever said is out there on tape. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, uh, you'll see that I used to. I, I would say it in my 30s and 40s. I will never let a, a, an old person uh, into my body. I just won't let an old that whole concept of an old person, meaning uh, deteriorating, decrepit, does, isn't as smart, doesn't think as well, doesn't uh, react as well, reflexes slow down, all of these kind of things. Uh, and if you if you buy into that consciousness, and I never did, and I used to say to to people, um, even with this whole thing of Alzheimer's, which has become like just a widespread you know uh, problem in our in our culture. I mean, it's an epidemic, literally. I mean, it's the increase in, in the amount of, uh, of uh, uh, Alzheimer's is just it's just as astronomical. Um, and it's um, and I used to always say to my, my audience and, and have people who would be afraid of that because their mother had it or their sister had it or, or their grandmother had it or whatever. And I would say to them, make a statement now that I will never allow. Uh, you know, I am I am free of uh, 
of, of, of any kind of mental deterioration. I will not have Alzheimer's. Make that as a declaration. Don't be afraid to do that and say these kinds of things. And, and um, you know, and, and not only when, when you asked me before the show, just sort of, you know, when we were just chatting about, and I was going sort of rattling off the things that I do, uh, it isn't, and, and as Elizabeth pointed out in the interview, it isn't just physically. I mean, physically, my life looks like, I mean, I do Bikram yoga uh, six times a week. That's a 90-minute class in 110-degree temperatures, uh, which, which is a very intense. I took my son's girlfriend over there to the class with me yesterday morning, and she was gasping for air on the ground after 20 minutes. And, um, and very often, as I look around the room, I'm almost always the oldest person in the room at 71. Uh, <clears throat> but this is just like a piece of cake for me. I mean, uh, it's, just a, it's just a way of life with me. And that's just the beginning of the day. I do that at 6.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning, and, uh, and, and after that I walk. And, and there's, there's never a day when I, <clears throat> when I, wherever I am, unless I can't get to a swimming pool uh, or if I'm not here on Maui on the ocean, um, there's never a day that I don't go out and swim for at least an hour every single day in the ocean, freestyle, you know, being out there. And um, I live on, this, on the second floor, but there's, well, I'm in a 12-story uh, building. And I walk, I walk up to the 12th floor and back down and walk back up again to get my heart rate going. It's a, you not only do that physically and keep your, your body uh, in, in the kind of shape that uh, Diane Nyad, the lady that I think her first name is Diane. No, that's uh, right. I remember her when she did that big oh, swim yeah. before. I can't mm-hmm. believe she's yes, in her from 60s. the Bahamas. She's 61 years old. Um, Anyway, when I when I I think about uh, you know she has she was saying that I just I never thought of myself as de- as deteriorating and so on. So whoever you are out there listening, whatever your age is, um, don't begin a long term um, uh, programming of of your body to break down. Of begin to say that I'm old or I can't do these things, and I, and it's also just as important to do it uh, you know uh, not just uh, physically, but it is to do it mentally as well. And it's one of the reasons I read every single day, and I, you know, I don't need to go out and travel all over this world and, and do the kinds of things that I do at the at, at this time in my life, speaking and so on. I certainly don't need to do it for fi- fi- financial reasons. Um, I do it because uh, I, I want to stay alert. I want to stay strong. I'm, I'm constantly uh, looking at and, and growing and finding new ways of, uh, you know, of, of expanding my life. Uh, and, and it's just, it's a way of life for me. And that's what I want to encourage every one of you out there to do is to, you know, keep your body and your mind, um, you know, as strong as you possibly can keep it. I, I always I love the 76th verse of the Tao. Uh, I just pulled it up here as I'm as I'm sitting here. I just I just grabbed a copy. of It, it says uh, a man is born gentle and weak at his death. He is hard and stiff. All things, including the grass and the trees, are soft and pliable in life, dry and brittle in death. Softness is thus a companion of death. Stiffness, rather, is, a, is thus a companion of death. Flexibility is a companion of life. So, you know, it's like when you think about things as they get old and as they break down, if you look at a tree, if you look at a branch, whatever it is, you look at your plants, as they, as they, as they dry up, they get hard and they get stiff. If you want to stay flexible, uh, and if you, you know, want to keep your mind flexible and so on, as a young person, and train your, your, your children. I just was talking to my son about this, who's in his 20s. I said, just never program yourself to believe that as you get older, things don't have to work as well. They can absolutely work as well as you, as you decide that they're going to work. And I mean it at the highest levels. 
if you if you come to the kind of consciousness that I'm speaking about. So. No, I agree. And I think that staying engaged like you do and, and you're busy and being interested and always wanting to learn, that's something Louise does too. She always wants Absolutely. to learn something new and she'll she's take a, a tango class. Yeah, or, right. yeah <laughs> you know. she's 85 years old and she just accompanied me. I mean, I I decided to go back to Assisi and Lourdes and Medjugorje, which we filmed, which is going to be a product I think that all of you are going to want to get. It's called Experiencing the Miraculous. It's going to be six DVDs, uh, all the lectures and, and, and the entire tour. It's like literally you're going to be able to, to experience what it was like to be in those places and to be a part of those lectures and, and so on. Um, but at the, I, I decided to do that at this time in my life because, um, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't want some people say, well, that, that's an awful lot to take on. It's a lot of travel. You have to get in hotels and all of that. And I said uh, when Elizabeth was interviewing me yesterday, um, she asked me about why, how do I stay vital and why do I, uh, you know, what does it feel like to be to be aging, uh, you know, at this time in your life? And I said, well, it just depends on how you do your identification. And I, and I don't mean this facetiously. Literally, I don't see myself as my body. I know that I'm. this is not my body. I know I've been in many, many bodies uh, since I showed up here uh, in this incarnation. I've been in a little tiny body. I've been in a teenage body, a 20-year-old, 30-year-old, and so on. Uh, the I that I am has never aged. I can, you know, I, I just keep occupying new bodies. And that's who I am. And and so the body, I just allow it to be whatever to take as good a care as I can of it. And as I told her about the Sufis, I said, the Sufis used to always say that if you don't have a temple in your heart, you'll never find your heart in a temple. And it's really about having a temple in your heart, a temple of knowing that you are ageless and you are birthless and you are deathless. And living from that perspective, rather from the one that says, oh, my God, I'm my body, and I'm not, now my eyes are going, and now I can't hear as well, and I can't walk as fast. And, and when you start to recognize, and I mean, believe internally that who you are has nothing to do with this body and all of the things that it accumulates and all of its accomplishments and all of its failures and all of its successes and so on, that who you are is infinite, and, and that can't age. It's birthless, it's deathless, it's changeless. And that's where you start to identify yourself. And as long as you you use and, and understand that, then your curiosity to to read. I mean, I, I I'm I'm going through four or five different books that I read each each day right now, and it's one of the most glorious times of my day. I take a couple of hours in the afternoon. I come over. I light a candle. I sit down. I'm all by myself, and I go through. I'm I'm reading a, a book by Nikos Kostanzakis on Saint Francis for about the seventh or eighth time in my life. Um, I'm reading some something about. Uh, by Eckhart Tolle, because Eckhart and I are going to be doing a program over here on October the 29th together. Um, and um, I've got two or three other projects going. I've got a book that I'm editing. I'm working on a, a CD for uh, the uh, for the meditation, the I Am Meditation. Um, we're doing a new film called My Greatest Teacher, which is the story of how I found my father. Uh, it's, a, it's a movie that Hay House is producing. I'm going through that and tweaking that and changing some things on that. It's just, it's a continuous, it's just a continuous unfolding. And, uh, you do it until you're, until you're called home. That's how I feel about it all. That's great. It's so true. I mean, my father had Alzheimer's and I know that when he retired, that's pretty much when things went downhill. Yeah. Because he didn't have things to do, you know? I don't understand the concept. I really, honestly, the concept of retiring, retired from what to what? I, I wouldn't know what that means. Um, 
because I've never identified myself on the basis of some job that I've had and, and going to work and, that, and, and so on. My work and my play and my environment and my, my, my teaching and my spirituality and my physicality and, and all of it are, are all, it's all one. It's, there's nothing to, to retire from. Um, so, yeah, did your, did your, your, your dad had Alzheimer's uh, at, the, at, the, at the end of his life? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think he hit it for quite some time, but mm -hmm. um, towards the end and definitely right after he retired, things just really, really escalated. And I remember him telling me that he was bored and, you know, so I've yeah. always felt that it's important to stay engaged and connected and, you know, oh, yeah. have and if nothing else, read, read and, and take up, take classes and, uh, you know, go to seminars and, um, you know, as, as you said, Louise, she takes, she takes ballroom dancing and, and things like that. I mean, just keep yourself uh but it, it's important not to wait till you're in your 80s to do that because if you if you wait till you're in your 80s and all your life you've you've looked at the aging process as something that is that is synonymous with deterioration and breakdown and and slowing down and not thinking as well and so on if that's been your mindset or if that's what you see and you observe it and i do it i mean i sit over here on maui in the place where i live over here on, on kanapali beach and I watch people, watch people go by, and I, I just, it's like a parade out there, you know, and, <laughs> and I see people in their 60s and 70s, and I see them all leaning forward, and all. I said, well, that person needs to go to yoga, that person needs to stretch over there, this person, you know, and then you can just, just, just by the, just by the way that they carry themselves, and I, I just returned, uh, you know, I spoke in London not too long ago, and I noticed in London, and it's true, of course, here in America as well, but I noticed a lot of women in their 60s and 70s were uh, really uh, sort of, uh, uh, I don't know the right word, dumpy, <laughs> the word <laughs> that comes to mind, but just like sort of short and heavy, you know, um, where they had allowed themselves to shrink and they allowed their bodies to expand. So they got this sort of a frumpy kind of look uh, about them. Um, and uh, uh, I mean, it's true for men, of course, as well, but uh, th th this whole idea of, uh, of staying fit and staying sharp and watching what you eat and uh, you know keeping you know healthy foods going into your body and getting rid of the sugar and getting rid of the addictive su substances and s sending alcohol out of your life, uh, the tobacco, the the drugs, all of these kinds of things that um, have just become so much a part of our life. If you just you know just treat this body of yours as this wonderful temple and and treat it with great respect, you know you can be. At any age, you'll be able to jump into the water in uh, in, in Havana and uh, grease yourself up and swim to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's, it's such an inspiration. Yeah. And, and I just I love how, you know, things are changing and the ideas of of aging are starting to change. And, you know, the, the baby boomers are leading the way. They don't want to get old like their parents did. And mm. so there's uh, there's definitely some change there. So, but let's uh, let's talk to other people instead of me. Well, let's grab somebody here. How about Tamara? And she's calling from California on line one. Hello. And thanks for holding, Tamara. You're on with Dr. Dyer. Hello, Dr. Dyer. <laughs> Hi, Tamara. How are you, my dear? I am wonderfully blessed. Thank you so much for taking my call. You're very welcome. Well, um, I my question to you is about recovering from failure. I, that's something that's been a challenge for me for most of my life. Even if I make a small mistake, it's something that I continually kind of beat myself up with. 
and mm-hmm. I've noticed that um, right now I'm unemployed and I'm looking for work and I know that I have all the skills that I need to really be employable. It should be easy for me, but I find myself not reaching as high because, you know, I'm afraid that if I make a mistake, then I just have this, this fear of failure that um, I really would like to overcome. I think that'll help me to yeah. move to where I need to go in life. Well, uh, this, this is actually a pretty easy one, really. It's, okay. uh, it's, it's again, it's a question of, uh, of your subconscious mind and what you have trained yourself to believe. And you are talking to a man who does not believe that there is such a thing as failure, that okay. failure doesn't exist, that every th- there's no mistakes in the universe. This, this universe is d- directed by an organizing intelligence, and all things that are happening are a part of what is supposed to be happening based upon our own free, the own free will that we have. So that let me, I always give the example of if I were to uh, give you, a, give, I was going to teach you how to hit a golf ball. And uh, I told you to take the golf ball and put it up on the tee and you swing and the ball just dribbles off to the side. Uh, now, you have not really failed. Uh, now, your, your subconscious mind has been trained to believe that that's a failure. You haven't done well. You, you're supposed to hit the ball. It's supposed to go up and it didn't. It just dribbled off to the side. What you've done is you've produced uh, you've produced a result, mm-hmm. and the qu- the question isn't whether you whether you fail in life or not. The question really becomes what do you do with the results that you produce, and most people do with with the results that they produce. They um, label themselves as a mm-hmm. failure, and therefore they don't have to take the risk that goes with it. Instead of that, it's like this morning I got a massage from my friend Dee. I just love this woman. She's here in the building. I get a massage two or three times a week from her. She's just really just magical. And I took over uh, a, a rock that uh, someone had sent me. That sent me several of these. And this was one I wanted her to have and because I always feel such a state of gratitude for, with her um, for be, being able to afford to and to have someone so wonderful as to just you know, to give me a two-hour massage two or three times a week. It's just such a luxury uh, and such a wonderful thing. And she's just always available and just so, so good and, and thorough and you know, and loving mm-hmm. as she as she does this massage. And I was, I gave this to her and I said, keep this and, and remember this, that, and this is important for you, Tamara, too, is, uh, is the, the word gratitude is really, really important. And it doesn't just mean being grateful for the good things that happen and what we call, quote, the successes and the people who smell good and the nice things that happen in our life. It's like being grateful for everything and everyone that shows up in our life because everything is a teacher for us, okay. everything. And, uh, you know, uh, Thomas Edison used to say when they had asked him the question, how does he had tried 25,000 different combinations to try to invent a light bulb and someone had said to him, how does it feel to someone of your stature to have failed 25,000 times? And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, today, he said, I know 25,000 ways not to make a, a, a light bulb. And and so, like, everything that you have done teaches you about what what you don't want to do. Right. I spent four I spent four years in the military, in the in the Navy, uh, right out of high school. And... Um, while it was it was just something I just knew that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to dress like everybody else. I didn't want to be told what to do. I didn't want to be inspected. I didn't want to have to march. I didn't want to have to carry guns. I didn't want to be, you know, it was nothing nothing in there that I related to personally for myself. But yet it taught me such an important lesson about what I didn't want to do in my life and how I, you know, and I, I would watch, you know, I would watch the, uh, 
the people all thinking in group think. And I would think my, my, my mission is really about teaching people to think for themselves and not to be just like everybody else. But, um, you know, this mindset over here is something very different. But so learning what I didn't want, and not only learning it, but experiencing it and being in a state of gratitude for it, that's what you have to do. You haven't failed at anything. You have never made a mistake. Everything that you have done has taught you to become to get to a higher place. And you've heard me quoted on the show many times. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross said, you know, when, if you shield the mountain from the windstorms, you'll never see the beauty of the carvings. Right. And all of the storms of your life, these are all these are all great successes. Just you have never failed. Even if you weigh a hundred pounds more than you should, you haven't failed. You've produced enormous results. You know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? What are you going to do with the results that you've produced? That's how you want to think. That's how you want to program your subconscious mind. Pro- program it to believe that failure is just, it's a mistake of the intellect. You could never fail at anything. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening.